Welcome. I'm Natalia Rincon, and welcome all to Unraveling Cities podcast, another episode. And my guest today is an expert in sustainability, um, green building, um, digitalization of the built environment. And he has an interesting background in associations, consulting, also as a DJ, <laughs> I remember. Uh, and now he works as a head of innovation at CETAWISE. So welcome, Sami. I'm very happy Thank to you. have you here. <laughs> yeah, excited to be here. Fun, fun to have some time to chat about uh, what's happening in the cities now or in the future. Yeah, we are, are we in the future? <laughs> nice. Um, mm. But tell me a little bit about yourself. I mean, you can tell me a bit of your story and yeah. why is this like uh, area interesting for you? Yeah. Mm. I, I kind of started my working career uh, in an association called Uusetuli or New Wind. And it, it, it was a bunch of like hyper-intelligent hippies <laughs> thinking about kind of making the world fairer to a lot of people, kind of uh, resolving the injustices of the world through fair trade uh, and, and this kind of internationalization and globalization education. But fair trade, not the trademark, but... Yeah concept was in the, in the core idea of this association and and that's where i kind of developed a lot of my worldview um of of how things should work and and why sustainability and responsibility is a key matter of of survival to any business yeah. or the entire society and then kind of final, finalizing my work there uh, in those projects Uh, I was finalizing my studies, uh, my business studies at the Turku uh, School of Economics. And there was this opportunity to join a small association um, called Green Building Council that had, had just been founded. And I thought that, okay, um, this is a space or an industry that is not that well known about the business side of things, uh, at least the kind of new business development and and different types of business models uh, beyond project work and and then i thought that okay maybe this is a, a space where kind of my knowledge of sustainable business kind of com combining sustainability and business knowledge mm -hmm. and marketing and economic geography uh that is my background could be taken into use of of something good and that, then i joined green building council finland and then there we worked kind of establish the very core foundation of what green building in Finland is is known today, working very closely with the companies that were kind of pioneering this movement and, and development, but also working uh, super tightly side by side with the Ministry of Environment core, core team and experts at that time. And How that, long ago was this one? Uh, this was 10 years ago, a bit over 10 years ago. So... The Green Building Council was established more than 10 years ago already, yeah. before we had all these trends. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, yeah. So what did you do after then? Yeah, so kind of at that time already, we were concentrating on, on CO2 calculations, common framework for kind of assessing the building performance or built environment performance regarding sustainability, but also things like green mortgages. And at that time, I kind of discovered that there's no link between the technology development or technology companies and the construction companies. Mm -hmm. So then we established uh, Recotec, uh, mm -hmm. community and event uh, uh, next to Slush. Mm -hmm. and, and that was kind of 
when I started working more and more on the digitalization side of things. Yeah. And I went, I decided that I, I want to have a, a bit of a look outside the industry. I went to Gaia, Gaia mm-hmm. Consulting, a management consulting team and one of the leaders in, in sustainability consultancy in, in all of Europe, uh, focusing on, on real estate and construction, but more so on the kind of impact valuation and impact evaluation and impact um, communications mm-hmm. uh, regarding sustainability, um, working with aviation, food, yeah, clothing. different industries here. Yes, yeah. energy. And then I got a call. I was invited to join the Kirahab team. Long story short, Kirahab is a association boosting sustainable digitalization of the built environment. And our job with the enormous team of three people was to make sure that Finnish real estate and construction industry, one, digitalizes, two, does it sustainably. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then I worked for that for three years, consulting 50 to 60 companies annually, um, doing work for the Finnish common uh, system for building core inform- uh, building environment core information, known mm-hmm. as Ryhti yeah. today. And then I was invited to join Sitavais. Yeah. And I, then I decided that I've been waving my hands like a good consultant should for 10 years and talking the talk. So maybe I should now join a one company and walk the talk as well. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds very interesting. I mean, you went from, I love these, like hyper intelligent hippies yeah. to a corporate guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm still a nerd and a hippie <laughs> and uh, somewhat of a yeah. hacker. Uh, maybe I ask you like uh, these, uh, because this is quite interesting. I mean, you're already like participating in forerunner associations or companies or movements that are pro-sustainability and wanting to make a change. Mm. But I will ask you this, like, what bothered you like 10 years ago and what bothers you now, like in the industry, you know? So has it changed? A, a lot of the things have changed. I used to have this talk 10 years ago uh, when I was kind of pitching the idea that in 10 years we will have nothing else but green building. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people were laughing at me, like, you are naive, you are young, you are uh, kind of idealistic. And looking at that discussion today, where we are, for example, in, in the Netherlands, Palas Nedam, one of the biggest construction companies, decided that they will scrap their business strategy because their sustainability strategy going forward is their business strategy. Yeah. So we've gone through this development in 10 years. So tremendous change. Uh, what bothers me still is the core understanding that sustainability, like digitalization, is business. It, it's better business mm-hmm. when you take this into account. It's nothing new. It's not, not an add-on. It's a true transformation of the business itself. And same with innovation. It's, it, it's risk management more than anything, if looking from that perspective. Yeah. But the same with digitalization, you need to understand the intricacies of those development paths and how you took that, take that in the core of your company uh, and to the core products, whether they are projects or, or kind of design services or what whatnot. Mm. And, and you mentioned these that it still bothers you. Yeah. So it seems that uh, in, ten, in 10 years, yeah, it, it hasn't changed the mentality that actually building green is good for your business. Oh, it has. We went from rejection to kind of 
huh, interesting, uh, to understanding and okay, how it works. And now we are putting it to work. Mm-hmm. We are finally seeing new business models, new services that have sustainability and, and kind of throughout digitalization, uh, all of these components inside them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, in 10 years, I, I wouldn't have expected that uh, the f- kind of biggest Finnish technical consultancy that Citovise is, that all of the new services coming out of our business development are actually sustainability services. Mm. 100% of what we are developing are sustainability services. Yeah, mm. yeah. So this was 10 years ago, uh, this is what you're speaking. Uh, I also studied architecture like much more years ago. Yeah. And it was like based in sustainability. Yeah. You know, we were studying like passive houses, which were like, uh, we didn't need all these um, HVAC systems and so on. Yeah. So the architects, like, which is like the architecture practice, a very, very old practice, mm-hmm. uh, understood already all the benefits of climate, of locality as well. Uh, build with local materials, uh, ventilate the houses, you know, and and be like with the nature yeah. in a way. So that's how architecture started. Yeah. Like we started living in caves. Yeah. And it seems that the industry has exploded into these like efficiency, you know, of creating and creating and producing, you know, mm. whatever it is at the lowest price. Now the the stages that you were describing seems to me it's like grieving a process. Like we the industry has been grieving for mm. a while. First rejection, yeah. and then crying maybe a little, yeah, yeah. you know, and then now it's an acceptance yeah. phase. Yeah. Yeah. In the built environment industries we lost the business that we had exactly already yeah. years ago yeah. yeah i love that like we lost the business we have yeah so what was that business is like this production at the cost of anything or yeah simply making money yeah but isn't that how the this is like a long criticism to the industry but isn't that what everybody's saying that real estate is a very good industry to be in you create a lot of money and now it's basically killing the old business. So how do you f- think moving forward, like th- with this paradigm change? Well, the perspective has changed, changed. the timeline has changed. Mm-hmm. Kind of the concept of making money has evolved into mm-hmm. making money today into this kind of life cycle, thinking of, of how much we actually make money throughout the entire life cycle of a mm-hmm. building, for example, or infrastructure asset. Mm-hmm. So now we take into account the fact that we cannot take loan from nature or the society to build something and gain monetary benefits now without kind of without paying it back at some point. Yeah. So the return of investment maybe is longer but higher. But also the kind of framework of what it what it what is calculated in that mm-hmm. ROI calculation has yeah. has differed. Yeah. For example, uh, looking at, uh, to the kind of upcoming uh, legislation and steering work from the EU, if you are not assessing the sustainability and, and the future use cases of a plot, for example, then you cannot sell it if you are not uh, securing it from kind of enduring uh, biodiversity or of natural values of that plot in the future. If you are only kind of destroying them, then you cannot sell it in the future. Yeah. 
So, so it changes completely the ROI yeah. calculations. So the characteristics of allocation have changed, yeah, basically. Exactly. Yeah, like what we understand is like a good business or a good location yeah. have completely changed now. Exactly. And uh, this is an interesting word you use, biodiversity. Hmm. So even if we would be able to calculate biodiversity by location and map it, yeah. like how interesting that would be, you know, yeah. like what are all these organisms, either like uh, plants or animals, like feeding into the ecosystem and how is these becoming like richer yes. in the future? Yes. So, yeah. So we need to calculate in the same way that we do uh, climate uh, or, or carbon foot footprint calculations, we need to do biodiversity ca footprint calculations. And and same with all of the kind of different different natural values. Yeah, I like that. <clears throat> Usually we forecast based on financials, mm. but if we could forecast as well biodiversity, you know, like how much, how many new plants or floral fauna are you going to have in that location? That would be amazing. I mean, or even if you are destroying these values inside that plot, it changes your calculation of the future estimated value of that plot because you might not be able to resell it. Yeah, but now we're speaking about, this is interesting, not, now we're speaking about not harming, you know, like mm. you can't uh, lose because of course we're against this fight of climate change, yeah. right? So the whole rhetoric is that don't harm, don't lose. Mm. But has anyone been speaking about producing new? I mean, is our yeah. mindset there like, recover what we have lost yeah yeah and, and that's word that i've been trying to introduce <laughs> yeah no you can while. introduce it here <laughs> no it was it was magnificently done in in helsinki Sanomat newspaper mm -hmm. last week uh and and it's not only me it's it's for example matti kuittinen from ministry of environment mm -hmm. i'm sure that uh he's been talking about this uh, a while ago and I, I i regard him as as one of the pioneers of of all of this movement and and probably i took it from, from him as well, but this was something that was bubbling under already somewhere eight years ago with the Green Building Council movement, the World Green Building Council uh, community that we need to start talking beyond carbon, mm -hmm. okay? Then embedded carbon, but going even beyond that and talking about regenerative societies, regenerative, regenerative build environment. So not only we are not making harm or minimizing the harm, if we need to harm, we are minimizing the harm, but the same with the climate compensation, we need to think about ways of, if we make harm in this part of the life cycle of, let's say, uh, part of the city, we harm the biodiversity, but then we need to start regenerate back the biodiversity or compensate it differently in different areas. Mm. Can you give an example of that? Uh, yeah, so uh, the idea is that if there's kind of certain values uh, that are assessed to be um, in, in a part of a city, and we have still decided that we will build a school or an office building there, we need to make sure that the same amount of these natural values exist in the future mm -hmm. in that local area. Mm -hmm or maybe globally, that's a different case, but in, in biodiversity, it, it needs to be more local. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The effects are more local. Yes. 
So we need to build the buildings in a way that we need to start understanding that how we how we then in the construction phase build something that regenerates these natural values as part of the building, for example, or uh, then kind of planting uh, new new well plants uh, mm-hmm. in the area or yeah, and local plants as well. Yeah. I've seen a lot of different projects where yeah. you put these like plants that are not part of the ecosystem. Yeah. And then there's a lot of maintenance going on on or when we see also this grass, like overall, when we are cutting forests and just putting lawns, yeah. uh, that's also very harmful that's as well. It doesn't create any biodiversity. Yeah, we shouldn't have yeah. lawns. Yeah. So, okay, that's very interesting. Now, when you were in, in Kiroha, you, you yeah. were exposed to a lot of different projects and ideas and trends. What are the mega trends now that you can say are going on at this moment in mm. the build environment? Well, I, 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 I think the whole idea of regeneration is is something that is coming up. That that is something that, for example, Blocks Hub mm-hmm. in Denmark, of course, it's always the Danes that are <laughs> pushing these things. The but they, they setting have, the example. Yeah, yeah, they they took the whole circularity and kind of combined that buzzword uh, with regeneration, and and that's very wise of them because they have the position and the backing from these very prestigious uh, organizations, mm-hmm. uh, foundations that run Denmark. Yeah. So kind of introducing that lingo to them. And saying that this is cool, it changes the whole industry. Yeah. And probably us in the Nordics, we look to to Danes to kind of take these new winds of development. So I think that's one thing. Uh, one one interesting mega trend is that we in a in in the phase of digitalization in the built environment where we have started to experiment with these new gadgets and tools and 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 kind of point solutions. And now we have finally understood that we need to kind of build, build our own tech stacks that actually work for us. So we are not building our working ways, uh, kind of trusting and and kind of dependent of these point solutions. We first plan our digital way of working mm-hmm. and then we select the ones that generate the best architectural kind of gains for us. Yeah. Uh, so, you me- are you mentioning here, if I'm understanding right, that uh, we shouldn't work in silos? For example, we should plan more like a long-lasting uh, digital innovations that are gonna transform the way we're working, but also help us better. Uh, yes, but first, in that in that sense, the clients of your solutions have finally understood why they need digital ways of working and digital tools. Yeah. So it's not only to do one task, but it's also to kind of change the entire operation of the company. Yes. And yeah. and it's not, there There are no thing, that, there are some things that the solution provider, for example, a SaaS company, cannot change inside their client. There might be some systemic errors mm. inside their organization regarding the IT or yeah. business uh, processes that need to change to support kind of more embedded digital 
workflows. Yeah. And value I, extraction of these new services. I, I agree with that. I think that we, like, uh, the solution that is long-term sustainable changing something, because we've had this, like, in the past. And I think the ones that are really changing the way we are working are those that um, we can take right away in our uh, daily life. Like, you know, they're helping us with the way that we have done the things, but they're mm -hmm. adding new. Yeah. And then at the same time they're adding new, they're transforming something that we were not doing right. Yeah. So then you become, it's like adding on, you know? Yeah. And then the transformation happens. Yeah, but it has been very irresponsible of the industry to kind of push that burden of, of this transformation to the tech companies providing services. It's yeah. not their job. Yeah. It's yeah. the client but, organization's job. Uh, and, and I think that that's an interesting point. It's like, why is the industry so slow? Yeah. I think it's because it's one of the industries that involves a lot of stakeholders, mm. you know, uh, where a lot of decisions have taken a lot of time to make. If we are speaking about urban planning, it takes mm. like years, decades mm. for that. So, I think that we have been um, these like paralyzed, you know, in in redoing or rethinking the way we're doing the things. Yeah. And I, actually, I was in this podcast like uh, with one of our guests, uh, and she mentioned something really nice. Uh, she said that perfection doesn't get you to orbit. So she's. Uh, I'm not going to reveal who she is now, but you have to <laughs> listen to our podcast. But I love that statement because we spend our lives trying to be perfect, especially in the real estate, yeah. when there's a lot of uh, investment, high investments and, and money involved, you know, yeah. and we are speaking about infrastructure that is heavy and it's expensive. Yeah. So when we are trying to do the things perfect and go for the perfect decision, we just don't do it. Yeah. We paralyzed. Yeah, that is true. Um, second kind of, you asked about the kind of what bothers me, it's, it's not bothering me, but it motivates me, is the fact that coming from a business background, my whole thinking has been very contradictory to the build environment thinking, where in, in the build environment, we are producing completely unique products every time. So we are producing unique bespoke outcomes to a small set of clients. So we are not creating consumer products. Whereas my background, I come from the mindset of how do we design and produce something that we can sell to the masses. So it's a totally opposite thinking. I love this. I love this because we have several guests, different backgrounds, all of them, and they all have come down to people. Yeah. And I love how natural this is because um, you're mentioning now the consumer background. Uh, that in the build environment, we focus more in producing products. We're forgetting of the consumer. And who is the consumer of cities? It's people. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's people again. Yeah. So I love that, again, when we are producing this like, new tech for the build environment, and when we are focusing, where are the mega trends? It's like satisfying the end user. Yes. And the end user, the citizen, it's there. Yeah. So, yeah, like, please tell more about this. I, mm -hmm. I love this. Yes. Yeah, I think the best example comes from, 
from the west coast of us uh bj siegel who was the guest at uh keynote speaker at wdbe i had the privilege of of visiting their factory in san francisco last year and 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 bj siegel is is the kind of person behind the apple store concept so their their mindset of construction with their brand juno is that they are taking the consumer product design and production methods to constructing apartment buildings. Mm-hmm. So they are kind of producing a Juno product. Yeah. yeah. For investors to buy and build Juno apartments. What is it attractive of these apartments? Do we actually need the thousands and millions of variations of apartment buildings? We don't. Mm. We don't want them. We want affordability and we want good quality. And there's a huge issue of 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 affordable housing in the US. Uh, yeah, and in the world, I would say, like Finland is facing that already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So they are making sustainable, affordable, nice, very Nordic design apartments, apartment buildings. So packaging in a way that it's mainly affordable, quality design, Yeah, you know, So those are the parameters that they start the design process yeah. with. Everything aligns with these parameters. Yes. Yeah. So all of the designs, all of the material uses, all of the production methods from design to being built, to being assembled, to being delivered, everything aligns with these principles. Not starting from, hey, we need to build something. Okay, this is the way we can build something. Okay, we have the people that can build that something. Okay, let's do it. And then forgetting that, okay, we actually did 10,000 of the same projects last year, but this is completely different of any of them. So we are solving the same issues project by project where we should standardize a lot of the stuff like in the product mentality and product design. You standardize these things and, and you reduce the output to one product or three different tires of that product. Yeah but not say hundred different variations of the same hundred square meter building uh, apartment. Yeah. And maybe <clears throat> just to add here, like uh, being a devil's advocate here as well, not everybody wants like the same style. So imagine that we all have the same like, yeah, but form. The, but that's on a different level on Maslow's hierarchy. Yes. Yeah, exactly. You, you want to live probably inside. Yeah. That's first. So you're referring to we don't need to um, produce so much in a way waste yeah. because we're producing waste as well when we have so many options. Uh, we want to standardize that hmm. uh, and we can still produce very beautiful citizen spaces, yeah. like public spaces yeah. as well. Yeah. So I, I actually was like watching this video yesterday or this week uh, where there's these blocks, uh, Lego blocks, hmm. but bigger and with uh, in- insulation. Yeah. Side. So these guys, like they were fast forwarding the video and, and then you could see that it's like a Lego and you just like build a house like in couple in a day. Yeah. So uh, I think that we should go more into that. I mean, we at the end of the day, a house is a refugee. Yeah. And and that's basically it. Yeah. 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 And having a unique bespoke building, it, it's luxury. And it's enormous waste. Yeah. yeah. We, we cannot think about housing or space 
in that sense anymore because we need to live to the restrictions of our planet. It's the same with food. It's the same discussion that we have had with food for quite yeah. some time already. Yeah. What is the amount of luxuries we can afford in on our plate? And I think that real estate has really a big potential from transforming the whole industry uh, and even the strategy, like how we plan, like from the private side, from private companies, you know, you work a lot with these, your your customers right now. Like, um, what would you say that uh, they need to change the most right now? Uh, because, of course, we, even though the location as we know it has changed, the way that we choose location, so when we start, mm. You know, at the beginning of the cycle, when we start choosing a location, we are following the same criteria. But yep. then when we arrive to the location, then we want to be sustainable and everything else. Mm. So in a way, the way we sort and plan the cities starts earlier than just finding a good location. So urban planning now, I'm speaking yeah. about urban planning. Yeah, and, and when you say finding a location, you are probably saying finding a new location both yeah but yeah but in that decision making my assumption and and kind of looking to the steering that is coming kind of and kind of keeping us safe from the climate crisis is pointing to a direction when where we cannot have any new locations yeah we've already used all of the land area that we can use mm -hmm. i agree with that so that already takes Tremendous part of that decision making, you, you know, you had two options. Now you have one. Yes. Yeah. Like choose one that you can renovate yeah. and, and not even tear down, renovate. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Because then you have the different type of steering coming down that yeah. you cannot, cannot actually build new. And you work a lot also with the public sector. So. Yeah. Used to more than now, but yeah, okay, used to. Uh, I have been working also. I have some experience with that. So usually, like when the urban planning starts, like the idea, we look into new locations and we expand the city and we forecast mm. like who's going to be living there and so on. So and it takes a lot of time to pass the whole plan, mm. and then it goes through a lot of cycles, like in the well, legally and politically. Yeah. And then finally it arrives and then we start detail planning and, and so on. But I think that the whole process, I mean, it used to work when we had only paper, right? When mm -hmm. you're drawing. But now when we are digital and things happen on demand and fast, what would you change in that process? I mean, and now I'm asking you, like, how would you change urban planning, which is assigning the land? It's like even one step before, yeah. you know, so... How would you change that process based on your experience and, and all the technologies that you have seen? Like, what are we lacking there? How can we change that? Yeah. Um, first, can you describe more about the fact that it used to work on paper? Yes. So what I mean is that usually these lots are assigned, like we're belonging to families, mm. if we go very, very, you know, in history. Uh, and then when we started building municipalities and communities and we had these like parcels of land and, and so on, we started to make catastrophe plans and mm -hmm. then approving in the city with a seal and, okay, this belongs to this guy and 
now the city will buy this or the city owns this land. Mm. So it was a lot of like bureaucracy behind yeah. and there was a lot of paperwork involved and, and discussions and, you know, negotiations. But I think that life now, it's faster. Mm-hmm. Decisions could be made that would uh, push us quite fast towards our climate change goals or uh, so and sustainability goals. So in my mind, this process could be much more flexible. Faster, flexible, it's not, you know, uh, it's not so hard. Yeah, well, even a lot of those decisions are very simple rules. And when you have simple rules, you can do calculations and assessments and compute them. Yeah. So why not compute the decisions that you already know how you make them and then leave room for understanding the concept, uh, context of those decisions, right? Yeah. Because probably what you are now saying, what I hear is, is that it's so fast that you cannot understand the repercussions of your kind of decisions when you are one person or one tick mm-hmm. in that yeah. command chain. Yeah, exactly. Um, and the other way is maybe utilizing the same mindset of the one planet thinking uh, to urban planning as well. So now we are working with needs that pop up in, in, in timely fashion. Mm-hmm. Year t- 23 and year 24. Mm-hmm. What if we do foresight studies for all of this for the future towards the parameters that actually determine if we can sustain yeah. on, on this planet? So model yeah, the future and, and then work backwards. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think that's one of the great pushes of technology here, computing mm. a lot of different scenarios and yeah. simulations. Yeah. So we can foresee what's happening. Yeah. And then move backwards and say, hey, mm. we are not going the right way. Mm. Yeah. I, I agree. I think I think that's like one of the biggest change maybe that urban planning will experience. Now with uh, applied AI, I think we, we can do that mm. as well. So yeah. And we need to be brave enough to give these boring tasks to computers because they are, they love them. <laughs> yes. Uh, I also could give some of my boring tasks to computers. <laughs> yeah, I like this. Um, I want just to kind of recap what we have been speaking. So uh, you mentioned very, very interesting points here. So with your background that is very uh very much into sustainability and doing good for the world. Hmm. Uh, one of the things that bothers you the most or has bothered you in your career is like that the core understanding of sustainability being better business is not there yet. Or it's we're approaching, but not there yet. Yeah, but also the core understanding of modern business ways. Yeah, exactly. So that still has to change. So, so you mentioned that that is something, maybe like a flag, you know, through your career and, and that we have to transform that now. Um, you also mentioned something really interesting that real estate has lost the business that we had, the built environment mm. has lost the business. Now we're in this new form of business and we have to reimagine how, how it would look like. Uh, then we spoke about biodiversity, uh, 
or generating these new biodiversity locations uh, and, and speaking beyond just carbon and emissions, but going forward. So you mentioned then two megatrends maybe in the industry. One is like regenerative environment. So making no harm, producing, regenerating and being local. And then adopting digital tools that are disrupting the way that we are doing right now our work. And more so becoming fully a digital industry. Yeah, yeah. So these two megatrends, I really like them. And then like very, very nice here that we have been, the built environment has been producing new products, but we have to remember the end consumer, which is people, citizens. Yeah. So the consumer of cities, it's all of us. I love that. And I will use that probably in our next podcasts as well. Uh, but now uh, I want to um, end this episode with like some rapid fire questions for oh, no. you. <laughs> I don't know that. Uh, are you ready? I mean, <laughs> are you ready to take this? Uh, I'm not, but I will. Still <laughs> all right. Take so this is challenge. fast thinking. All right. Like yeah. you have no problem with that. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 my thinking always goes through questions. So it's hard. <laughs> Yeah, when I yeah. Kind of come yeah. back with a question. You you have to remember these. These are like quick. Yeah. All right. So, where's your dream place to live? Um. Yeah, Finland and New York. Wow, very different. Yeah. Mm hmm. Nice. Now I have to ask you why, but I I will reserve that for later. Mm -hmm. Um. Okay. Public transportation or own car? Hmm public transportation first, but not own car, okay. a car. Okay. Yeah, multimodal transportation. Yeah. Uh, would you rather live in the future or in the past? Future. Okay. Uh, so you, you... If we if if we have one, then I want to live there. Uh, summer or winter? <laughs> This is this is the toughest because I because I love winter and I love summer. I hate fall. I hate spring. <laughs> All right, so both. Mm -hmm. What motivates you the most? Working with people easily. Mm. Like I I'm still a dumb believer in the fact that I can actually make change of the small I, kind of tools that I have. And in, you said that before we started the podcast as yeah. well. Yeah. I still believe in people, even though that's a kind of weird thing to say, probably. <laughs> uh, morning or evening? Evening. All right. Uh, what advice would you give your younger self? Oh, this is the hardest question. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. All right. So it just made mistakes. That's it. Leave. Yeah. Just leave. Pasta or pizza? Ah, oh, pizza, definitely. All right, cool. So, yeah, these were all the fire fire questions that I had for you. You passed them really good. <laughs> <Nice>. uh, <laughs> you belong to our kind of people. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm kidding. 
<laughs> yeah, compartmentalize and yeah. categorize me. <laughs> Labeling now. Yeah. No, that's not true. I love to hear these. Like, uh, I love the stories of all the guests that we have. So they're all so different, and at the same time, we're so alike. Um, but hey, Sami, it was a pleasure to speak to you always. Uh, have you here? You're so innovative, and I love just these discussions. We can go for hours. Um, but thank you for coming, for being here. It's a pleasure. Yes. Thanks for having me. Let's continue building chaos. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and for all of our guests, I hope you have enjoyed like our discussion today and keep listening to us. Yes, have a nice day. Bye.